the church and great blessing to the body of Christ. But last night we heard that Gordon and Johanna have been friends with Paul and Jill for a little over 40 years. Can you, you can't believe that. Yeah, yeah. how can you believe? They're just babies, they're saying. It's hard to believe. But uh, they've been journeying with Paul and Jill and together for a lot of years. And we're blessed to have Gordon as, as an advisor, but we're blessed to have him here this morning to share the word. So I want us to put our hands together and give a great welcome to Gordon as he comes to share the word. Well, good morning, everybody. You don't have to apologize for the cold because I'm from Timaru. So what happens here in Canterbury happens in South Canterbury. So we're all together. We're all family. So it's good to be with you again, and it's good to come. I feel like I come home every time I come here, and especially to share with Paul and Jill and uh, now Carl and Ange and the rest of the team. Oh, this is just a blessing. And uh, I, I look at the team here and I think, oh, man, take you all home. Yeah, so that's real cool. Hey, I love that song, you know, um, you know, the praises of a thousand generations. And uh, Carl read out that script, you know, in Exodus it says, you know, the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation. And often you hear teaching all around that and it stops there. We've got to break off all these curses, but they've forgotten what comes after that. Blessing, blessing, blessing to a thousand generations of those who love God. Do you love God this morning? you love his son, Jesus? Oh, man. Blessing to a thousand generations. If Jesus doesn't come for a thousand generations, may this church go on praising him for a thousand generations. Wow. Whew. You sang another song at the beginning there. This could be, the, I think it was about, this could be the best day of your life when you encounter the love of God. What a great song. But tell me, when, when did you last complain? Oh, sorry. Oh, I've just dampened the whole meeting. You don't do that. You know, you're meant to lift people up. I just want to start off by playing a clip for you. So let's just watch this clip. As the youngest daughter of a doctor, I enjoyed affluent lifestyle. God has blessed me so much. I always like to have music, singing, playing, sports, traveling to Europe every year to get the best fashion dress, wearing jewelry. And I really always like to be elegant. And later, I found to be elegant comes from inside. I was teaching at the American University in Cairo. <clears throat> I had the best students, the smartest in the whole country. 
when God wanted to promote me, he said, leave the best, the smartest, and go to the poorest of the poor. At that moment, I couldn't believe it. I'm the least. I'm the last one who could fit. Because I'm the one who's forgiven much, but loves so little. I thought, I'm so disappointing to God. How come he chose someone like me? With God's grace, I left everything, and I found him shining, waiting for me with a crown of love. Do you know the poor children? They are hungry, hungry every day, hungry every meal, hungry every hour. They are hungry for bread, but hungry for love and acceptance. When one has nothing, God becomes everything. When I touch a poor child, I'm touching Jesus. When I listen to a poor child, I'm listening to God's heart beating for all the humanity. We don't choose where to be born, but we do choose either to be sinners or saints, to be nobody or heroes. If you want to be a hero, do what God wants you to do. What was it you were just complaining about? What was your last complaint? And how does it measure up in light of what we've just seen? Let's turn to Psalm 42 this morning. I want to speak about recognizing desire. I don't have a three-point sermon this morning. I'm sorry if you're taking notes. There's not three points to take home. If I get to the end of this message this morning and accomplish one thing, and that is to arouse a desire in your heart for Jesus, and you go away saying, oh, I'm just more in love with Jesus. I just want to, I want to know him more than I've accomplished what I came to do this morning. Psalm 42 Let's read it. This is one of the Psalms of lament. Did you know that over one third of the Psalms are lament Psalms? Over one third. The lament Psalms are, are cries of complaint, cries of despair, of, of doubt, of protest, of anger at God. And I love the Psalms. They do not hide the rawness of our humanity. And sometimes 
We can be trying to put masks on and cover over so that we don't project our rawness because that's not Christian. But the psalmist teaches us that we can do completely the opposite. We can be raw. Let's read Psalm 42 together. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why? Have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Father, as as we come to worship this morning from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, our backstories are vast and different. And yet in the midst of all of our stories, you are there. In the midst of our stories, in the midst of our complaint and our doubt and our despair and our protest at you and our anger, dare I say, at times against you, you remain unchanging and your love for us is constant. And I pray you would confront us afresh this morning with your incredible boundless love, your eternal grace your unending mercy that you've shown to us in Jesus. And may we embrace it afresh this morning with fresh desire as we recognize the cry within our own hearts. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. When did you last come to God with your complaint, with your questions? with your doubts, with your despair? When did you last find yourselves down at Brighton Beach when the surf's pounding and you just cry out to God and you shout out, it's not fair. Have you ever done that? I advise people to do it down at the beach where the surf's pounding and nobody can hear. Or driving along in your car 
on your own, preferably. Shout out to God. Every other driver going past, I think that poor person, what, are they listening to some sports program? It looks like they're cheering. But actual fact, you're pouring out your complaint to God. Have, have you been found doing that, or are you too scared to do that? Because God might unleash a thunderbolt on your car or on your body at the beach so you withhold the psalmist gives us permission to do that maybe it's time to shout out your complaint your protest but in the context that we've seen here in psalm 42 as the deer pants for streams of water my soul pants for you my god my soul thirsts Thirsts for God. When can I go and meet with God? So you've got this, this dynamic tension going on in the life of the psalmist and in the life of so many believers. We love Jesus with all our heart, and yet we cannot explain why life has worked out the way it is. And it's so unfair. And God, well, I'm a follower of you, and you let this happen to me. And, and so on we go. But it's birthed out of a heart for God. There are a lot of people angry at God, but they have no heart for God. When things are not going our way, we, we think there is injustice or unfairness. And we often look at our lives and we start to think, well, what have I done wrong? when actually it's got nothing to do, generally speaking, with what you've done. It's just that you live in a fallen, sin-filled world, and bad stuff happens to good people. But in the midst of that, often we can find ourselves, instead of turning to God, instead of, instead of recognizing the desire that's welling up within us and the anger that's welling up within us, Instead of recognizing that that is from God because he created us this way, we often turn to false places to fill the dissatisfaction that we feel. And sadly, we're surrounded by a culture that encourages us to fill our desire and to fill our longing for fulfillment and happiness and joy and wholeness with a myriad of material objects, thrilling experiences, New technology, clothes, alcohol, and other drugs. Cars, sex, sports, holidays, cruising, entertainment, food. We go on. Are any of them bad? No. It's what we make of them and how we seek them to fulfill a desire within us that only God can fill. I can't wait for iPhone 8 to come out. Is that wrong? I'm just a nerd. It's not wrong. But if all my hope and trust is in the next iPhone or in the next Samsung Galaxy that doesn't burst into flames while I'm on the flight, if my trust is in the next big experience that I can have that will give me such a buzz and wow, I can't wait to put that on Facebook and get a photo on Instagram and let people know that I'm really enjoying life. I need to go home, lie down on my pillow and think what's next because it hasn't satiated the desire, hasn't filled the desire within. 
See, when we experience desire for something, our culture tells us this. The most important thing to do is you go and fulfill that desire. That's the little message that's coming to us. Have you ever stopped to think that that desire within you for experience, that desire within you to have something filled up could be a desire for God himself? David Rensberger has written a book called Thirsty for God, and he writes this. Our consumer society energetically organizes these means of avoiding the quest for God, offering us a false quest that is sustained with enormous force and skill by the engines of economy, media, and government. He realized that our quest for God can be stymied and thwarted and wrecked at every which way we turn. Unless we realize that our enemy is against us. And therefore to see through that and realize that our God has put within us as his creations a hunger and a thirst for him. Former author, theologian, professor of literature, committed Christian and author of the Chronicles of Narnia. You know him, C.S. Lewis. He described happiness 50 years ago in terms that that make even more sense today in our commuter-driven society. He talks about a car being designed to run on petrol. And so too, he says, the human machine is designed to run on God. Listen to what he says. He says, he himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it is not there. There is no such thing. This is what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 42. My soul thirsts for God. My soul pants for you, O God. My tears have been my food day and night. When can I go and meet with God? What do you do? When you're really down, you're having a blue day. What do you do when the world around you and even yourself is asking, where is your God? What do you do? Where do you turn? And as we mature as Christians, we can often experience a growing honesty about the formidable and dark forces at work inside of us that draw us away from God. Draw us away from what we also know to be good. And we experience all sorts of ugly feelings. You ever have, you have ugly feelings that you experience? Of course, we can't let anybody know that we're having those feelings. Because again, I've got to be... How are you today? Well, I'm feeling really angry at God, if you want to know. No, we don't turn up to church and do that. 
Oh, we do turn up to our close friends when they ask us, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Oh. And you said, because you're good friends, you ask them again, so how are you really doing? Well, I'm really angry at God. Have you got a friend like that who you can be really honest with? There's a lot of unpleasantness inside of us, isn't there? And we begin to realize the, the complexity of our inner emotions. We're on top of the world one moment, praising God for a thousand generations. And the next minute, we find ourselves sort of prickly and short-tempered and disagreeable. And You know, the blessing of Pentecostal and charismatic Christians is their experience of the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful thing that, that the message and, and the restoration of the experience of the Spirit has brought to Christendom over the last 50 years. But also there's a danger in that the expectations that God will continue to speak to us through dreams and visions and prophetic direction. And God is not restricted from speaking to us like that. However, we've often neglected to pay attention to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But in our clamor for the next experience, in our clamor to fill desire, we never get still enough for long enough to hear his voice. He's always ready to speak. How ready are we to quieten down and slow down and, and listen. The problem you and I face, it's not a lack of desire. And I can get up here and I can say, you need more desire for God. Well, you've got all the desire for God. It's resident within you because he made you. It's tapping into it. It's recognizing the desire and how it can be truly fulfilled. What are we to do? Oh, there's such a need to learn the art of sitting silently in his presence. You know, I've, I've told people, I say, listen, take your Bible reading plan, set it aside. Take your prayer list, set it aside, and just sit in his presence and listen. Maggie Gobrin, who you just saw the clip of before, she was leading a comfortable life in Cairo. She's a Coptic Christian from a very prominent Egyptian family. She was professor of computer science at the American University of Cairo. She's married. She has a son and a daughter. She still has a son and a daughter. She lived an affluent lifestyle, as you heard. She was sheltered from the poverty and the misery around her. And in 1989, following a conviction from God, she started a ministry to serve the poor right under her nose in her own city, Cairo. She founded the non-profit organization called Stephen's Children. The aim of Stephen's children is to improve the lives of Christians and families, the children of Christians and families living in the slums 
and the rubbish dumps of Cairo in the upper quarter of Egypt. She also offers to help the children of Muslim and Baha'i families. She makes no distinction. She was a Nobel Peace Prize nominee in 2012, and she spent over 20 years serving the poorest of the poor. She's often referred to as the Mother Teresa of Cairo. And as a result, she's also experienced persecution for being a Christian. She's affectionately known as Mama Maggie. When I first found Mama Maggie on the internet, I thought she was a nun, and you could be forgiven for thinking that when you see the way she dresses. That is part of her identification with the ministry to which she's called. I want you to watch another clip where Mama Maggie is talking about our need for silence. Step. And the last is the toughest of all the call to have a real pure heart and to get to know the Almighty, the Most High. So I started to devote one day per week and then two, two, uh, three days per month and then one week every couple of months. I found that in a complete silence and then I found that the silence is the secret, is the first step that show me the treasures. To be in silence is to be fully inside your own self. It's not easy. But there we discover the taste of eternity. The kingdom is within. In the third century, Saint Anthony the Great heard the tough call to sell everything and follow Jesus to the desert, to live in a complete silence. Later, 100,000 young people followed him to the desert. He became the founder of all monastic life all over the history. I learned there are secrets in silence. If you have a pen, please write. What I've learned Silent your body to listen to your words. Silent your tongue to listen to your thoughts. Silent your thoughts. To listen to your heart beating. Silent your heart. 
to listen to your spirit and silent your spirit you listen to his spirit you know in silence you leave many and be with the one My soul thirsts for God. We have a dear friend in Timaru. Her husband passed away age 55 in June last year. She understands verse 9 and 10 of Psalm 42, where it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is my God? Because as she says to us, this was not my plan for my life. This was not our plan together. We had so many things we wanted to do for God. Her husband was about to come on to our church executive as one of our trust board members. One night, Joe and I were around at her place and just sharing friendship together and having dinner. And she was saying how friends had been encouraging her, saying, listen, you just need to take some sleeping pills because, you see, she wasn't sleeping. She's only able to sleep for three or four hours a night. <clears throat> So I said to her, I said, well, what's wrong with taking sleeping pills? I had a bit of a discussion around that. Then I said, well, why don't you take a sip of wine? Why don't you just, you know, calm, calm yourself with a sip of wine? I said, why don't you just drown your sorrows? Why not? It might help you. Now, remember, we're, we're good friends, so I can say this to my good friend. Then she understood why I was being so annoying and why I was pressing so hard on her wounded heart and purposely causing her more pain. She began to understand and she blurted out and she said in tears, she said, because I trust in God. I wasn't encouraging her to drink, please don't get me wrong. I was wanting to push her to where I knew she was, but she couldn't recognize it at the time. She was so mired in her grief. But as I pushed and pushed and pushed, we got her to the point where she realized why she didn't want to take sleeping pills and why she didn't want to start drinking. I said to her, I said, your pain is like a deep, dark well. And it goes so deep and it's so dark and it's so painful. The loss is unbearable. I cannot understand it. I can try and put myself into your situation and try and understand what it might be like if, if my precious wife had been taken from me. But I cannot experience that because it hasn't happened. I said, your well goes so deep and it's so dark. It seems to have no bottom to it. And yet... Because you have dug a well of salvation, 
And because you have plumbed and you have found Christ to be a well that is eternal, you get to the bottom of your pain and guess what? He is there in the darkness at the bottom of your grief and pain. He is there. By now we were all weeping. Because that's what friends do. You don't just laugh together and celebrate together. You weep together. She later wrote these words, which she's given me permission to share publicly. My heart again was bared open with every emotion, as yet again I question why. But strangely still, I long and am desperate for God. I realized, although I so desire God, I have put walls up, not letting God in to love me, not wanting to get hurt again. In some strange way, not wanting to face the truth that this is my life. So again, another step as painful as it is. She too is one who has learned to sit in silence. Silence your body to listen to your words. Silence your tongue to listen to your thoughts. Silence your thought to listen to your heart beating. And silence your heart to listen to your spirit. And silence your spirit to listen to his spirit. Because in silence you leave the many so you can be with the one. God bless you this morning. Awesome. Just as the team comes up, will you stand with me? We're going to go into a time in a moment of worship. And uh, we're going to, you know, in this moment, in these next few moments as we sing, there's opportunity for us to respond to the word this morning. And there was a lot in that word for us to respond to. But, you know, I love I loved what Gordon said about how the psalmists give us permission to be vulnerable with God. They kind of share from our hearts with God, God, this is what I'm going through. And you know, there can be a propensity for us to want to put on the brave face, but, but God knows what's going on in our heart. And if we can open our hearts before God, be vulnerable with Him, there's a great opportunity for God to be able to speak into our situation, into our hearts, bring blessing into our lives. And I just wonder this morning, you know, you're, you're able to pour your heart out to God, even in a time of worship. You're able to say to God, God, this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm, I'm going through. Listen, God knows what it is that you're facing. But God wants to hear from you. Maybe this morning you want to pour your heart out to Him and just say, God, this is what it is that I'm going through. I'm pretty frustrated right now in what I'm facing. But you know what I love is the point that He said? When you pour that out to God, it's because you've got a heart for God. A lot of people getting angry at God don't have a heart for God. But we're all gathered here this morning, and you're here this morning because you do have a heart for God. And so in these next few moments as we sing, if you want to just pour your heart out to Him, maybe this morning you want to respond come out the front and just say, God, you know what? I just want to commit my heart afresh to you, my life, my situation, what I'm facing. I don't want to do it on my own. I just want to commit it to you. 
just want to come out and this is a declaration of faith, just saying, God, no matter what I'm going through, pour my heart out to you, but I know that you're with me and I have a heart for you. I don't know how you want to respond this morning, but you know, in worship, respond how you want to respond. Pray if you want to pray, worship God with everything you got, but let's sing and worship God together.